0: This is the Fix Your Sciatica Podcast. Let's talk about partners, life partners, the people that you surround yourself with. When you're in pain, do your friends, family, loved ones, do they know that you're in pain? Do they know that you are in need of help? How can we communicate it in a way that allows us to be able to still be our true selves, but in the event that we do need help and assistance, that we can get the help and assistance that we need without sounding like a nag? And this subject came about because I've come across many of the clients that I've worked with who actually have spouses and they're dealing with so much pain and we're working through it together, me and them. But it got me thinking about what is that like for the spouse, seeing your loved one in so much pain and you might not necessarily be in the position or knowledge to help them. And it got me thinking even more about the relationship that I have with my wife. Luckily, my wife has me. So whenever she experiences back pains, any issue when it comes to the human body, I can address. But one of the things that happened last year, we actually had to go to the emergency room and everything's fine. But at the time, I didn't know what was going on and not knowing how to help my wife, aside from we got to go to the ER, was such an unpleasant and traumatic experience for me. So this is a very special topic. And today's guest is a very special guest because we've had the opportunity to work and converse together. And she was very kind enough to share her time and expertise with you all today. So today I have Rachel Humphrey, an amazing person, friend, coach. Um, and today we're going to talk about how you can communicate with your loved ones when you're in pain, but then also how to communicate with your loved one who is in pain and how to navigate that. And I think this is going to be a really special episode so Rachel thank you so much for being on today's episode
1: thanks so much for having me Ashley it's great to be here with you
0: I'm pumped let's take a deep dive into this but before we do right um for some of the listeners who might not who might have just met you for the first time tell us a little bit more about yourself and what you do
1: yeah so I am a coach and consultant I primarily work with individuals and teams within an organizational context, um, specifically working in philanthropy and social justice nonprofits. Um, but I also do some individual coaching as well. And a lot of my work is very much focused on relationships. i trained in the um, Center for Right Relationship um, Organizational and Relationship Systems Coaching. So I'm sort of always looking for how to support folks in creating authentic and trusting relationships that sort of unlock both impact and joy and connection.
0: And I think you kind of answered this one question that I was going to ask you. I didn't send it to you in the pre, the pre questionnaire, but um, I think it's important for people to understand like what a relationship is. So in in your eyes and your, your background, how would you define what a relationship is?
1: Whew. um, Sorry, sure. like leave me, leave me the, uh, you know surprise me with a with a rich one here. Um, generally, relationship would be like something between two two individuals, two entities, but then also there there's this important piece about the relationship with yourself. So um, I'd say a sense of connection, awareness, and love would probably be how I would name what relationships are. But I'm very much a systems thinker, so it's like what's happening at the individual level and then like interpersonal. And then within organizations or, or whatever system, and then out to like culture and societal levels. And I think there's different kinds of relationships happening at each of those.
0: Yeah. And to be able to factor in this really big principle of connection, right? How things are linked together, how beings, souls, minds are linked together. And especially when you are, say, living or having a partner, um, whether it be a romantic partner, a life partner, a business partner. Having that connection is going to be very important for us to be able to get things done, projects, um, or even just like build a future together, right? And so when it comes to uh, relationships, so for today, let's talk about um, like, let's just say like life partners, people that you're with all the time who are experiencing what you're experiencing, but from a third party perspective. So let's talk about that. Um, so when it comes to relationships, you were talking about building relationships. And so when it comes to building of relationships, it makes me think, okay, there's there with building of relationships, that means that there's an essence of what a strong relationship is. So would you be able to tell us a little bit more about what is and what makes a strong relationship?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And this answer is maybe specific for that kind of life partner level, probably a different different answer for different kinds of relationships. But um, I would say it starts with yourself. I think that sense of self-awareness and emotional intelligence, um, being able to be happy, healthy, and grounded as an individual actually is the foundation for being able to connect more fully and authentically with another person. Uh, So I think that's the first component of a strong relationship um, with a life partner or, or... dear friend, what have you. Um, Another thing that is um, I think a real component of it and that I've had to (laughs) do a lot of learning and um, to to come to this is to think about one's conflict literacy. Um, And that's a phrase that I use as opposed to like conflict engagement or what have you is this sense of like, we are always going to be in some level of conflict even if it's just like a minor discomfort or disagreement. If you're in relationship, there will be times we disagree. And that can be really, really hard for a lot of folks, myself included. I've been really conflict-averse. So I think that being comfortable with disagreement and conflict and developing the skills to engage um, in regulated and generative ways are really kind of a key component of getting into a strong relationship. And admittedly, it's one I'm continuing to work on in my personal relationships as well as my work relationships. So... And then the third piece I would say about what makes a strong relationship is uh, truly authentic curiosity. And what I mean by that is like we are all changing um, all the time. And like when my partner and I first uh, when we were about to get married and we were getting advice from one of our, our spiritual teachers, the advice that he gave us was like, don't assume, you know, the person right come with a lot of curiosity like who are you now and you know our our brains actually like to make shortcuts and put people into into boxes and so to like kind of fight that natural tendency to be like well maybe i don't actually know this person even though we've been together for 20 years at this point like can i come with real authentic curiosity of who are you now um that feels like a again, something I'm continuing to learn and practice, but uh, a big component of getting to strong relationships.
0: That's awesome. I loved how you boiled it down to those like three specific principles. I think what a lot of people see, especially when even like, we'll say pain management, which is like physical pain versus the emotional pain is that um, as you know, the pain that we experience is, is an experience. It's, it's something that we can't always quantify. And so it can easily be complicated. And when things get complicated without needing to be, it becomes very, very muddy. And so I love the, the aspects of self-awareness, the conflict, literacy, and the authentic curiosity allows us to be able to say, this is how we can build um, a, a strong relationship or that's what makes it, um, which in essence, like our, our relationships are also very crucial to the pain recovery processes that we go through when we're injured. So like, for example, if you fell and scraped your knee, I remember when I was a kid and I fell and scraped my knee and I was so scared. I was so frightened. It was obviously very painful, but what really made me stop crying at that time was the fact that my mom ran up to me, gave me a hug, and then patched me up, right? So it was the act of care and having someone there to comfort me in that time of need. And I found that to be really, 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 really helpful. And so with, with your experiences dealing with pain, whether it be physical or emotional, when it comes to relationships itself, why do you think having a strong relationship is so important when it comes to trying to overcome pain? Mm,
1: that's such an interesting question, because I think we tend to think of pain as, you know, sort of very physical and logical and predictable. And it's none of, I mean, it's it's really not any of that. Um, and, you know, what comes to mind as you ask me this question is um, that some of our core needs as human beings are to have safety, dignity, and belonging. And those really only happen in, in relationship um and when we're in pain experiencing pain it seems like those needs are even all the more important um i know for myself when i've been dealing with a physical issue whether it's ongoing chronic pain or a more acute situation ending up in the hospital what have you that sense of feeling Um, understood and seen and cared for, and just knowing that someone's there for me, even if I don't have any asks of them at all, really made all the difference. So I think, yeah, to be able to be in that place of having our safety, dignity and belonging and just feeling cared for is essential.
0: This episode is brought to you by the Patient Advocate Program. Are you tired of not having support between your rehab sessions? Introducing the Patient Advocate Program. We're focused on your recovery and we're offering you 24-7 access to a doctorate of physical therapy. Stop waiting in line to be seen and stop spending hours doing long exercise programs. Imagine being able to get all of your care delivered straight to your phone. Best of all, it's affordable. We believe everyone deserves top-notch relief without breaking the bank. So why wait? Take control of your health today and visit ptpatientadvocate advocate.com and book your free call with our experts yeah that's huge um and it really i mean it it ties into those three principles of what we were talking about when it comes to what makes a strong relationship as you were listing those i was thinking well how does from my perspective as a physical therapist when i care for the people that i work with how can we actually integrate these three pieces Mm -hmm. Um, Into management itself. And I think number one, self awareness, it's something where we over time, we kind of lose, especially if we're so used to focusing on what other people think or the performance of others. Giving yourself an opportunity to pause and say, What am I experiencing? What am I doing? is going to actually provide us with a bunch of information, which is why, actually, during when I'm working with clients, When they're telling me, hey, Ashley, I have a pain here or I have sciatica pain, the majority of the work that I do is actually asking a lot of questions, bringing more awareness so we can actually get a better understanding of what the cause of the problem is. And as we're doing that, what ends up happening is, uh, and I love that you said authentic curiosity, right? Because I'm approaching it with saying, okay, well, we have this pain, but why is this happening in the first place? I have a couple of suspicions. But I won't know until I find out. I got to ask everyone the same questions so I can really get down to the bottom of this. And then, this, I, I really like the, the conflict literacy aspect. There's going to be points in time throughout this entire discovery process that you might actually flare some things up. I know that I've worked with some people, and during our session, I mean, do I wish that every time someone left the session or left uh, a meeting with me that they felt zero out of 10 pain? Absolutely but is that the reality? Most likely not. There are going to be some times where things are going to be flared up. And so instead of having to be afraid of flaring something up because we're exploring, looking at it as, okay, we're going to be able to just get a little bit more information and see what is going on. And I know from the conversations that I've I've had with my clients, approaching the, the, the pain management route that way, being more open, understanding, trying to figure out and listen to the client, the outcomes are a lot better because we're actually able to get to the information a lot faster versus Rachel, you have sciatica pain. I'm going to give you 13 different exercises and it, like you're going to do them un- until until like it either just helps you or it doesn't. And then I'll just say, I can't do it anymore. And so uh, really, really helpful stuff. I love how you broke that down. And yeah, it, being able to have that uh, safety dignity and belong you can't have that unless you have like another entity that that is near you or like a part of your ecosphere world existence yeah sorry that was a very long-winded uh piece of that but um it's it's very very cool and so what so let's talk about okay so um listeners if you have someone who you care for cares for you um and you let's see uh let's talk about from the perspective of the listener who's in pain right now and they have loved ones who can help them what are some ways in what which we can communicate strengthen build use the strong relationship that you have to help facilitate healing and growth and development together
1: yeah well i think first it's that that self-awareness piece of like really understanding what you want and need as an individual, right? Like I've witnessed folks take extreme example, extreme ends of the spectrum on like how much they want people to know what they're going through, how much they want people to be a part of it, you know? And so just like kind of know yourself and ask for what you want at, um, to what degree do you, does it feel like really private and vulnerable and you just want your, your inner circle versus like, being able to to share things out and ask for a broader circle of support. Um, I think that's that's a big part of it. And then, um, yeah, being able to make requests um, that feel that they can be answered well, but also giving people a sense of their own agency or ability to say yes to what they feel like they really can deliver on and, um, and not over-promise, because then that sets up, especially when you're in pain to have asked for something uh, a certain kind of support and have the person not follow through it feels like that's even harder um so um i think there's some work there as well yeah I'm, i'm trying to think what else when i'm in the place of like having pain and the relational aspects of it i think it's just like getting clear sometimes it can take me a while to figure out what it is that i actually want and need um so that's not necessarily a given but once I figured it out, then being able to ask for it in a way that the person can deliver.
0: Yeah, that's it's so important. Um, giving you the opportunity to say, like, yeah, what do, what do you actually need? Um, I think, and I notice a lot, um, on, this is like specific, I think, out here in like the, the U.S., like our culture is like, we're so go, 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 go. Um, and it's so easy to overlook your needs, which is why people end up getting sick, tired, injured. We really overcome or over what do we say override those cues of our yep. bodies telling us right so now we're at- sick of being upsold at gyms my guy you're currently a base member for 90 dollars more i can upgrade you to our shred membership for 130 more you'll be a swole member and for just 300 more you'll reach sweat platinum at planet fitness you'll get energy without the upsell never pushy always free fitness training and equipment for every workout it's fitness that fits your budget Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel any time. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. The point where we're in fact injured and it's like, okay, you need to have an opportunity to reflect and identify, okay, what are the needs at this point? And I love the the fact that you're, you're in essence, giving the listeners permission to make requests for things in the event that they do need them. Right. It's I, I, I we're at, especially here in the U S we're, we're so averse to asking for help. Mm-hmm. Usually by the time we ask for help, the problem is 10 times harder to, to solve because we waited for so long to actually help. Right. So being able to address, identify what you want and then ask for help. That's totally a huge thing. Um, before we actually started recording, you, you brought up this really, really great. Uh, I think it was a quote. It was like how to, how to, it was something about micromanagement, right? It's like how to ask for stuff without being a micromanager and everything. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Because I know that micromanagement itself is a very, very negative term. No one wants to be micromanaged. So let's go along those lines in regards to how can we share our needs and our requests without sounding like a micromanager, without sounding someone like the person's like our slave or something like that.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, when you first approached me with this topic, I really heard it. From the from the perspective of a coach, where you know the main fo- um, like approach to coaching is that you don't give advice. People don't actually want advice, and the role of a coach is to be there to support someone in their best thinking. And I will tell you that if I, in my uh, relationship with my partner, I have a whole lot of advice I would love to give. Um, <laughs> you know, especially out of out of love, really. Um, if he's experiencing pain or sickness. Or what have you, I think there's just a very natural tendency to want to fix the problem for the people that we love. And even if it's coming from a really great place, it can land in a way that feels hard. If it can make you, if you're the sick person, it can make you feel like you're a problem to be fixed and nobody wants to feel that way. Or it can make you feel kind of stupid because, you know, like, well, they think I don't know how to do this, right? Like, and, and, or it can feel like you're being rushed to get to resolve when in some some points you might just want to be like seen and understood and heard for what you're going through and like this is what the pain is like and this is why it's hard you know that kind of thing and so you know I think it's a a hallmark of right relationship is when we can be in the right place there with each other and have that sense of listening of and empathy, always starting with listening and empathy. Of where are you? What do? You, how are you feeling? Tell me more about it. To not get into problem solving or potential solutions or mitigations or what have you, especially if you're the person that's not experiencing whatever the situation is, right? Because that can just feel really hard. And um, and this can be gendered. I think it's sort of like pretty common for in. Um, heteronormative relationships for the male identified person to sort of be the like fix it person. That's certainly, you know, a broad stereotype, but it is something to pay attention to because it, it can feel hard. So I think, you know, when we're offering, when we feel like there's something to offer and that would be valuable, um, to offer it at the right time and the right context, um, and using language that's like, you, know, you might consider, or is it okay? You know, asking for permission is a big part of it as well. Being able to ask like, is it okay if I uh, share some thoughts, you know, in that sense of, and take it or leave it. This might not work for you, right? There's just like a lot of different ways you can still name some of the ideas, but having sort of fertile ground for it to to go somewhere as opposed to furthering disconnection in a moment when that's the last thing you want.
0: I've seen this a lot when I am working with, uh, yeah, with the patient who has a one who's actually on site. Um, In regards to they're there while I'm doing the work of what I do, helping their pain or helping them get a little bit more mobile. And it, it is really interesting because as they're communicating, it ends up being very much like a back and forth. It's more of like a I'm rubber, you're rubber type of scenario. And I can see how things can escalate. And what's really the reality is that, like, we don't. When you're dealing with pain and you're dealing with frustration, the last thing that you need is for things to escalate, right? We need things to calm down, and so we can actually get some form of action. I think I've seen uh, a couple of 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 these on on the the social on social media, like Instagram. Um, It was like this tactic where person or loved one said, "Hey, I'm feeling like X, Y, and Z," or "I'm dealing with this, this, and this." And the person on the other end said, well, thank you for sharing. Would you like some advice? Would you like for me to do something about it? Or would you like for me to just listen? And it ends up just like you said, it's giving this person permission or granting the person permission to tell them what they want, but then also kind of saying, "I'm, I'm here for you to help in any which way that I can. I think about how how, how hard it can be when you're, when you're a, a person, a loved one who is dealing with something that you might not necessarily be fully equipped to fix for them. Mm. But knowing that you are there to support them and the reason why you're their partner and they chose you or you chose them was the fact that knowing that there are going to be challenges along your way in your life and that you are going to be able to take these challenges on together, whether it be physical pain or mental pain um, is, is key. And I, I, yeah, I love the fact that you said, ask for permission, because oftentimes when I'm working with the clients, uh, that, I, that I see and also a message, I'll say you have permission to do X, Y, and Z. Like some people are just waiting for that permission because for some reason throughout our journey, our life's journey, we set these boundaries, right? Um, and it's probably from past life experiences where we set these boundaries thinking we can't ask for this. We can't do this. We can't do this. And so being able to just lower that gate and say you can or I, I'm, like if you ask for permission is huge um, when it comes to building relationships and getting the support that you need uh, when it comes to care uh, and also help. So mm-hmm. that's so huge, right? And so um, we, we transition into from like the person who's dealing with pain, right, to the partner whose partner is actually dealing with pain. And they're like, what do I do in this scenario, right? Before mm-hmm. to say, okay, uh, uh, can I, you know, come in and help, or do you need help from me? So, what we're really tr- saying, and this may sound simple, listeners, and you let me know if I'm over simplifying it, Rachel, is we need to create a safe space for us to communicate with each other. And if we can create that safe space, we get the necessary information, but we also have that opportunity to unleash and have that outlet of the things that are hurting us. And sorry, I'm talking a lot here.
1: Yeah, um, no, and I've got some ideas, but finish this yeah, time. Yeah, so yeah. Really so anyway, um,
0: you know, like really create a safe space where people can share. And I think what's important, especially if say some like, and, and I've said this uh, to a couple of people, I say when you are say asking for help or providing advice, and it ends up sounding like a personal attack or something like that. I often will say, listen, you know, when you guys are sharing, it's not personal. It's the scenario that you're frustrated with. It's not, you're not frustrated with each other. It's the scenario. And so it may come off as a personal, but it's not. So anyway, Rachel, I'm going to bring it to you to, to, um, to share your ideas.
1: Yeah, no, I so appreciate that. And that's a, that's a powerful technique that you just named because it is around like depersonalizing and just understanding like what are the contexts in which we can get our nervous systems activated and feel more disconnected or also maybe be operating in a way that's um, sort of coming from some subconscious needs. Um, So, yeah, that's, that's really powerful. I think, you know, as I was thinking about the, the person who's not experiencing the pain, but is trying to support their partner, if they're moving into sort of fix it mode or advice giving that might be driven from a sense of powerlessness or like just wanting the pain to stop, which if you're being driven by that, you're actually being driven by your own needs. Like what what's the discomfort I'm trying to solve for right now? And that's might be coming from there. So I think a touch point can be sort of like, whose needs are you centering in these situations? And to to you know course correct, if you find it's like, oh, I'm doing this to like ease my own discomfort. <laughs> um, and I'm sure you've seen it, um, the diagram of like when someone is going through a really acute health crisis or any kind of crisis, really there's like these concentric circles and the person who's at the like closest or most experiencing that like basically any contact or coming into that person should all, be all about support for that person. And then as you go to the next levels of the circles, and I should you know find the diagram on the interwebs for us, but um, that you know they're providing search support to that next tier, right? So that kind of to what you were saying of like, say it's my partner who's um, having the most pain that I'm at, and I'm trying to just be there. Like, what do you want? What do you need? How can I support you? And just being a loving presence for them. And then I've got my next circle out that I'm able to voice whatever fears, frustrations, tensions that I'm feeling, that I'm not putting those on my partner even, but I'm also giving them an outlet and a place to be honored and held too, instead of being in a selfless mode of like, well, I just have to be the caregivers. I know the caregiver needs care too, but finding it and setting it up proactively in the way that everyone feels like they've got someone who has their back, who can just listen um, and offer guidance if it's appropriate.
0: The diagram you're talking about is called the uh, the ring theory, um, which Thank I just you. which is so cool, uh, listeners. I'm gonna put the link to the ring theory because it's very interesting. I love the fact that you're absolutely right, Rachel. It's like no one ever has to go through this alone, whether the person, whether you're the person in pain, the person whose loved was who is who's in pain, or even medical professionals as well. I think a lot of people. At every stage, we lose the ability to figure out who can we speak with, to who can we support, right? And that line between the two can actually get very, very blurred. So all of a sudden, those messages can get crossed, and you can get a little ugly out there. So being able to take a break, take a pause, take a big breath, figure out who are you speaking with, what's the support that you need, and really making your needs known um, is key. So, uh, which then brings me to the next question. So let's go back to the person who's dealing with pain, saying, "Okay, I." I have these needs that I I think and I know that my loved one can do for me while I'm on this seat. How can I communicate my needs to my loved one um, while overcoming the thought of, oh my gosh, I'm bothering them with so much stuff right now. Um, Mm -hmm. And then the second part of that question is how can we tell or how we know, how can we prevent the opportunity of us actually say like, quote unquote, nagging the person, right? So it's like, how do we give ourselves that permission to be able to share what we need with our, with our uh, loved ones? And then how can we set the threshold and help us understand when do we become more of a nag than anything?
1: Mm, Yeah, it's a rich question. I think in some ways it's like settling in and trusting into the relationship that you have. Right. And that sense of I know I would do it for them and I would want them to ask if I think about my partner of their times where I'm like, yeah, I would do it in a heartbeat. Like, why am I holding back when it's the role that the the roles are switched Um, and I would want to know what they need. Right. So assuming that's, you know, the kinds of relationships we're talking about to be able to rest and trust in that that sort of natural reciprocity as opposed to keeping score. Uh, that can happen in relationships um, and that honestly just giving someone the opportunity to act on their, their love and care for you. That is also a gift to someone else as well. Yeah. I think that, I mean, that would be sort of like foundation setting. I think there's, there's tools when it's like not working um, that I could throw in there as well, but yeah.
0: No, it's huge. Um, it's, it's, it's going to be a back and forth. It's going to be, it's, it's this dynamic Entity that happens, right? Um, I remember when uh, I got engaged with my wife, and someone said to me, and they had like 50 plus years of marriage, and they said, Ashley, your marriage is never going to be 50 50. It's going to be 80 20. It's going to be 40 60. It's going to have these. And being able to understand that and knowing that it's going to shift is going to allow you to identify the needs that you need to share. But then also provide you an opportunity to step in and help your loved one, your partner, uh, when they are in need. And you know, I, I, I wish for no one to ever go through the pain that they're dealing with, especially the the pain that's bringing you to this episode. But now you actually have some tools in regards to being able to navigate your pain or your partner's pain uh, in a way that will be constructive. And this is going to be great because it's for people who are seasoned veterans in the pain world, but also people who are new to the pain, um, you're not alone um, and you don't have to be alone. And today we're, you know, we're talking about say like life or romantic partners, but the great thing is the fact that this can also be applied to all the other different aspects of relationships as well. So, um, you know, this, this subject touched really home to me because of just like the experiences of, you know, having my, taking my wife to the ER, but you know, again, everything is okay. But it, I think it's a very important thing to talk about. And Rachel, it seems like you know a lot about relationships and coaching people through just understanding themselves and being able to really mold and really just make the decisions for, pos- like for, for good, positive growth uh, with some really amazing outcomes. And you're providing a ton of insight. So I'm really thankful for the time and knowledge that you brought into today's episode for the listeners who are like "Ah, rachel rachel knew a lot about this stuff i want to hear more about what rachel has to say tell us a little bit more about um how you can help people and how people can get in touch with you
1: oh so appreciate that um yeah well um coaching is definitely my favorite thing to do on the planet absolutely love being able to coach folks um whether it's around organizational life and effectiveness or relationships or health or what have you, um, being able to support folks in um, whatever their goals are is a true pleasure. You can find information about my work at rachelhumphrey.com. It is more focused on the, the nonprofit philanthropic side of things, but um, no, I've kind of worked beyond those uh, confines. Um, and yeah, you can find me on all the, all the socials, Um, usually under Rachel Z Humphrey. So um, the letter Z in the middle.
0: Awesome. Listeners, I'm going to be putting that information into the show notes today. So if you didn't get a chance to write that down, you'll find it there. Rachel, as always, it's always great to see you. Thank you so much for today.
1: Thanks, Ashley. It's a pleasure.
0: Thank you so much for tuning in. We hope you got some help from today's podcast for more info, check us out at ifixyoursciatica.com. Have a fantastic and pain-free day. No patient-therapist relationship is formed by listening to this podcast. We are not providing medical advice and all information should be confirmed by a medical provider. Sick of being upsold at gyms?